0: all right welcome ladies and gentlemen to the we're having a good time podcast i'm at the home studio here in nashville tennessee uh and i'm i'm your host dusty slough as always And I'm here with my co-host and wife, Hannah Hogan.
1: Do you think we always have to do that every podcast? Introduce me? I feel like if people are listening, it's like, I'm here.
0: Well, yeah, I introduce myself every podcast. Oh, okay. And they know it's my podcast. I mean, if they're clicking on it, it says that we're having a good time podcast by Dusty Slay. And then I still go, I'm your host, Dusty Slay.
1: Right. Do you think it's superfluous though? Like, it's just kind of like, yeah, we know. (laughs) We know who you are
0: yeah but it's you know why not introduce yourself yeah you know what i mean what if it's the first time they listened what if they stumbled on the podcast and they they're not sure if the podcast they're listening to is a substitute host or not
1: right well then maybe you should put your credits out front too every time
0: well i'm just saying um you know it's just yeah you should always introduce yourself oh okay there's no reason to not introduce yourself.
1: Okay, well, I'm glad that you're clear on it because I was wondering if that was necessary. Yeah, I mean, but...
0: don't, don't you think um, even late night hosts introduce themselves or at least somebody introduces them? Yeah. Here's Johnny. Yeah. You know, I mean, they did that every time.
1: Yeah, but that was like, that show was on 40 years ago.
0: Yeah, but you knew it was the Johnny, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson.
1: Yeah. All right, then.
0: I mean, come on. You're really really messing up the intro. I just think
1: podcasts, you can do whatever you want. And it's like, do you want to introduce yourself every time? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. Well, then let's do it. Yes, I do. I just needed to know that your conviction was strong. Yeah, I mean, I
0: do want to do it. I want to continue to do it as I've been doing it. All right. And don't, you know, you've been on two or three episodes now. (laughs) And you're going to come in here and change everything. (laughs) 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 All right. I mean, this is our second take. Our memory card ran out, so we had to start over. The first take, Hannah was yawning as she introduced herself, and now, uh, you know, five minutes later, here she is, not only not yawning, but ready to change the whole thing. All right, I'm 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 straight now. Let's do it. All right, so we're having a good time here, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the We're Having a Good Time podcast. I'm Gosh. Dusty Slay, your host here with my co-host Hannah Hogan. Hey, yeah, S- and and producer. <laughs> let's producer not, in let's quotes not forget that she's also the producer she produces the podcast
1: yeah produce your child how about that <laughs> yeah so produce your We're dinner. here
0: we're excited to be here we just got back from the mall the opry mills mall we went by the levi's store bought a couple of pairs of jeans and some jogging pants
1: we always have a good time at that opry mills mall and then we went we do
0: have a good time there yeah. and then we want. Uh, that that mall is bringing everybody together.
1: Oh I yeah! I mean, it brings
0: them all together. And there was a bunch of kids in there today, and um, and then we um, had some food. Hannah had some pizza. I had some Japanese food. It was delicious. Uh, and then we, um, on our way out, we we walked by this kiosk there, and uh, Daisy, our sweet precious daughter, spotted a uh, a little. From a long way away, spotted a little JJ from the TV show Coco Melon, or whatever that would be considered. I guess it's a TV show. It's something. Uh, but Coco Melon is something we try to not let her watch unless we really need to do something because she zones completely out into it in a scary kind of way. I'm not even into it because she is so into it. I'm like, what's it doing? But if we need to cook or need to take a road trip or if i'm leaving and she's sad and we need to distract her distract her coco melon is is everything so she spotted a little jj and this little jj is really small looks like a, a a knockoff of a jj and uh so i was like all right i'll get that for you you know because she was not happy she did not want me to carry her she did not want to walk she was about ready to fling a fit And then, boom, JJ pops up. So I was like, all right, I'll get it. And then it's really small. And I thought, well, this is going to be $10. $22 is what it cost. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: A real ripoff. But I wasn't going to make Daisy put it back for $12. You know, it was just worth it. And then she uh, held JJ all the way, never cried again. And in the car ride on the way home she was so happy. She just looked at JJ the whole time and hugged him. And <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I was like, yeah, it's creepy how much kids love that show. But um, I, I talked to other people who said their kid loves it that much. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to be here. I'm back from, um, we're going to record this on Tuesday, but probably release it Wednesday. I got a show tonight at Zany's. It's sold out and I'm excited about it. Grand old Dusty Slay's Grand old Comedy Show. I think it's going to be a hot one. Um, and then, um, I just got back from Houston, Texas, where I did five shows and the people at Houston were very nice to me. Uh, my friends, uh, Ralph Barbosa and Barry Lamanac opened for me this weekend and they were great. Honestly, too good. I mean, they both were very funny. It made my job really hard, but we had some really great shows. Uh, I think I sold out both shows on Saturday. And that club seats about four hundred and fifty people, I think. So it was a massive feat to do that, and that early show was amazing. The late show was really good, but there was a table up front four people, uh, two women uh, looked a little older, um, but seemed to not be in, not be enjoying themselves most of the show. They heckled Barry a little bit, hosting. Um, they laughed during route, but a lot of times this one particular lady looked very unhappy. And then I think she looked unhappy for most of my show. And then the other lady at the, and then the two guys there that were with them, one guy was extremely muscular. And then the other guy was dressed really nice in a suit, almost like some kind of weird mafia guy. And I didn't want to look at him. You know, I wanted to you know try to talk to them but you just never know with some people they seem a little drunk and i'm just like well if i can make the rest of this audience laugh and not them fine and uh and then i heard the one lady say to the other at one point she goes he is funny and i'm just like oh geez that's like a it's like a punch in the stomach like even when you already know that they don't think you're funny it's like i never questioned whether i was funny i wasn't up there going am i funny Am what's happening am i funny but it just was one of those things where it's just like it's just one it just it can ruin my vibe in the show where I'm not enjoying it because I'm like, I wanna go bang, bang, bang with jokes because I don't want to give them an opportunity to say anything. And then they ended up leaving. I don't think they got kicked out, but they left. And three of them left right very towards the very end of the show. I mean, they almost set to the whole show. Towards the very end of the show, they left. And then the one mafia looking guy sat there for a little while. And I'm like, and I couldn't tell if he was mad at me like I had gotten them kicked out because I didn't, or if he was mad at the rest of his table um, for getting kicked out. And maybe he wanted to stay and enjoy the show. And so I heard from a couple of people. One person said they saw, because I made mention of it after they left. Um, Eventually that guy left. And I heard someone say, yeah, we saw him cussing out the one of the women being like, are you embarrassed of how you acted? And then somebody else told me their wife was in the bathroom with the women and said the women were prostitutes. So I don't know. Um, Well, I think you
1: do know. You just found out.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know that they were prostitutes. I didn't witness a phone call of the guy calling and asking for prostitutes, but I know what people have said.
1: Maybe the well-dressed guy was a pimp.
0: And maybe. And maybe he wasn't even, he didn't even hire them. Yeah, he was the pimp.
1: Or like an escort kind of situation. Yeah, maybe. um, What an honor to take, you know, his escorts out to the Dusty Slay Show. Yeah, uh,
0: but I just, you know, my thing always is with people, it's like, you know, not everybody's going to enjoy my comedy, right? Most people, sure, but not everybody's going to enjoy it, and that's okay. There's so much comedy out there now. There's comedy for everyone, but if you don't enjoy it, all you got to do is watch one video on me, and you'll get an idea of what I'm doing. I mean, you can see, you know, watch a couple, but you can watch one video and see, all right, this is this is what I'm up to, and... And then if you don't like it, don't come. That's all I'm saying. Don't come. You don't have to come. I'm not asking you to come. I've done shows for six people before. You know what I mean? I prefer to never do that again, but I can do it. And um, But overall, the shows in Houston were really great. I really enjoyed it. It was cold, and I didn't prepare for the cold. I didn't even know it got cold in Houston, so I didn't dress well. So I didn't really do anything but it was fun. They put me in a nice hotel around some restaurants. I went to a Mexican restaurant there. And, you know, Mexican food in Houston feels like it's real Mexican food because it's lots of Mexican people in Houston. I love Mexican Hispanic people. I know I've said that before, but they just feel like great people. And I'm sure, you know, as with anyone, there's going to be some people that are not good, but overall, I love all my interactions with Mexican people. They're great. So it's a lot of fun, and um, I was happy to do it. I, I didn't, the whole time I was a feature. I never got to feature in Texas. You remember one time me and you, we went and did a gig in Kiowa, Oklahoma?
1: At the casino? At the casino? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we stayed in Texas, and we would drive over the border to go into that casino. I think we did, maybe we stayed two nights, but only did one show. Okay. Okay. Is that right? I don't know. Well, I remember what us doing the show. I think you had a really good show. And mine was okay. And there was some pretty big Native American guys there at the show. And they seemed unhappy the entire show. And then after they go, oh, man, that was really great.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: I was like, oh, okay, well, your face did not show it the entire time. Yeah. But, but they're like, yeah, we really enjoyed the show. And uh, I like that we we said it like the Red River Inn or something oh. like that I thought it was a red roof Inn. well red the red River is in Texas you know when you cross oh, that okay. old red river halls that you know it's a song it oh just yeah don't me- yes uh, Bob wills is still the king they talk about it in that song it's a great song um are you familiar
1: not with Bob wills or the song or the river
0: um but you, you remember that show
1: uh yeah I remember a casino show I remember I remember it being kind of in the middle of nowhere, if I'm remembering correctly.
0: Here you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah.
1: Yeah. You know what he should have done is introduce himself at the start of the song.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's true now. I don't know if Bob Wills is still the king in Texas. Yeah, I don't know. This song, that song was old, but so that that was uh, so that was a lot of fun. But I never got to do shows in Texas, and now I've been able to do shows in Texas, and that's a lot of fun. Um, and it just feels good to, you know, earlier this year in Dallas, I did, I sold out four of my five shows in Dallas and now I've gotten to go to Houston and then next year I'll go to San Antonio and hopefully Austin again sometime soon. I I never get any gigs in Austin, uh, but hopefully soon. Um, and, uh, so I got, uh, this is hopefully going to come out on Wednesday night. I don't want to put it out Wednesday morning, not the same time as Nate land. It doesn't matter. I mean, you can listen to both throughout the week, but uh, if you do, but a couple of these things might be repeaters, but I wanted to say this. I was leaving. I wanted to give a shout out to someone. I was leaving Houston and I got to the airport two hours early, like I like to do. And I want to talk about some trivial complaints, but first I got to set up some stuff. So I, um, um, I've um, i flown a lot. I've been flying a lot and I've um, uh, really worked up my status uh, with American Airlines. Um, I'm with you. So I've really worked up my... Yeah, it's hard...
1: Uh, I'm just making notes w- what sections you're talking about when I clip it up.
0: Okay. Because I feel like you know, now that we're doing the two-person podcast, I'm like, oh, now I'm in conversation mode.
1: No, I'm totally listening. Yeah. I, I was writing down airport I'm not story, mad at you,
0: but I'm just saying I, I was I, writing
1: down airport story. That's how that's how focused and connected to the conversation that I am. That I'm marking. Okay, segue into airport story at 13 minutes.
0: Oh wow, okay, so you're really into it. Yeah, well, I'm not upset with it, but I, I'm I'm like uh, now I feel like I'm speaking to you and the audience, but you're the one, the only one that can give me. I'm feedback. listening.
1: It's about the only time I, I really am able to focus and listen.
0: <laughs> um, well, people have messaged me and they really enjoy having you back on the podcast.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: People are very excited about
1: it. Oh, that's nice. People will say,
0: hey, tell me to tell you, hey, hey. at the shows. That's sweet. Yeah. Hey, guys. So I was at the airport, right? And I've worked really hard to build up status with American Airlines. And when I say work hard, I mean, I flew a ton and I mainly stuck to one airline so I could build up my status. So when you get these status things, these are not things I pay for. These are things I earned. But I feel like if I talk about them, I feel like I'm bragging about some status. And I'm not because these are just things that I got over time for flying a lot. But I get you know, a lot of times I get upgraded. So I'm flying first class. Now, first class on the planes I'm flying on uh, are not like movie first class. Okay. I mean, we're not like there is drinks, but the seats are slightly larger than the other seats. You got a little more room. It's nice to be there. And then I think you get free drinks, but I don't drink. So that doesn't benefit me at all. But um, well, it's nice to be there, but it, it, uh, it's, it's not like when you're, when you're watching a movie first class, it's almost like they're in a private jet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I get upgraded a lot. And when you get upgraded, you get to go into the priority line for check-in, meaning that you don't have to go to the, uh, screen and type in your ticket and print your own, uh, baggage check labels and put them on your bag and print your own tickets. You just go to the desk and they do that for you. They do all those things. So it's very nice. You get used to that. So I go, I get in the priority line, but the lady there is like dealing with a customer and I'm behind two people in line. And there's a guy, she's just dealing with him for like 10 minutes. So I decide, you know what? I'm going to get out of this line. I'm going to just do it myself. So I go do it myself and I get done doing it and checking in before she's done dealing with that guy. But I'm a little irritated, right? So then I go to the TSA uh, check-in line. Now I have TSA pre-check, so I don't have to take off my shoes and my belt and my, um, and I don't have to take my laptop out of my bag, all just a nice convenience when you're flying all the time. If you fly once a year, probably worth it to not even do it, but if you're, if you fly every week like I do, it's nice to have that, and then I also have clear. Now, if you listen to Nate Land, you would hear that uh, Nate made fun of me a bit because I have clear, and I always talk about being sketched out about the government and sketched out about technology and stuff like that and clear they do take your fingerprints and your eye scan uh to be able to do it okay and <laughs> yeah. nate, nate knows that because nate also has clear now i don't like it i'll be honest i don't like it and i'll tell you what happened um and i explained it a little bit on on the podcast but one year I was doing, this was probably 2019, I was doing Clusterfest, a comedy festival in San Francisco, and they had booked me on a show uh, on a Sunday night, and I had to fly out on Sunday to do some shows Monday somewhere else, um, so I, the flight, it was too close for my comfort, the show and the, and the flight, but I didn't want to... You know, I didn't want to fight it because I, I was I was happy to be at Clusterfest. I felt fortunate to be there. It was a big-time festival. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And it was some, some bar show. It used to be hosted by Burt Kreischer, and now it was hosted by Nicole Byers, I think. And I think this was her first year hosting it. Hosting it. And it was like, you're supposed to tell drinking stories. Uh, but... Uh, or something and then drink while you do it but again I don't drink so I just thought I would tell some old drinking stories. I just was gonna tell my drinking jokes but she but it was supposed to be kind of conversational. So I'm making my jokes and they're not really connecting with her. She's not getting like I'm talking about blacking out and I'm talking about um, you know drinking and driving and I guess she's not experienced any of that in her life. so they weren't connecting with her. The show was okay. But I was like, all right. So the moment I got off stage, I get in the car, I drop, uh, they zoom me up to the airport in San Francisco. And then I get there and the line is a mile long. And I'm like, oh man, am I going to miss this flight? Did I do all of this just to sleep uh, in the airport tonight? And this guy who works for Clear comes up and he says, if you sign up for Clear, it's free to sign up and then you can cancel later and... You can skip this entire line.
1: Okay, so a CIA operative came up to you.
0: Yes, yes. So I was like, okay, great. And then we start going through the steps. And it's first, it's like, all right, we need to scan your fingerprints. And I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, we need to do a, a retina scan. And I'm like, oh, gosh. But I'm like, I'm just kind of like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it, and then I'll cancel later. I'm just going to do it so I can get through this line. And that's how I justified it to myself. And I admit, that's how it all goes down for people. That's how people take the mark of the beast in the end. They go, well, I just, I want to keep my job or well, I don't want to get my head chopped off by a guillotine, so I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I get it, but I did it. Mm. And I did it, and then I did not cancel clear. Now, TSA Precheck doesn't cost very much money at all. Clear is not a lot of money, but it's more than pre-check. And I wouldn't do clear if I weren't flying all the time. But now that I have it, every time they have it at an airport, I use it. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I'm going to skip the entire line. So they had it in Houston. So here I am using clear. I skipped the line. And I got plenty of time. Keep in mind, I got plenty of time. There's no rush here. But I'm just like, when I pay for these things to skip lines, I want to skip the line. So we we skip, but then the 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 TSA officer is not calling us up. Even the clear girl is complaining to me. She's like, "Oh, I hate this airport. They never call us up." And then if we walk up there, they go, "Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on." So eventually, they do call us, and then I get in there, and now I'm 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 in line, unloading my bag, and I'm behind this couple, and the woman reminds me of like she's got the frantic energy of someone that lives in a trailer a girl that lives in a trailer park that does drugs, like a girl that's really attractive but has done a lot of drugs and is kind of I don't know if you this is relatable to people, but someone they're like a real know it all and a real high energy and a kind of frantic. It almost gives you anxiety just being around them. Yeah. And I had to stand behind her in line while she talked to her husband or boyfriend. Now, they seem like they had money. I don't think she lived in a trailer park, but she had that frantic energy of, I've just done some meth, and I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, so I had to wait behind them, and then I finally get up to the thing. And, and it's also like they're the kind of people that wait in line in a way like that it's like, they wait in line like you don't even know they're in line. It's like, and that's that's, and my thinking is, if I have to ask you, are you in line? Then you're not doing the line right. Yeah, I mean, get in line, be up there. I hate in traffic and in walking when people give a lot of space between them and the next person or them and the next car. It's like give appropriate space. But fill in the gaps. But when
1: it's really crowded, appropriate space is relative.
0: Right. But appropriate space means right up to them. Right. Be right up to them. That's
1: what I'm saying. There's less space when there's lots going on. Right.
0: So it's like, get up in there. Let everyone know that you are paying attention. Don't make us have to go, hey, hey, look alive here. Look alive. That's what I do a lot in the airport from a distance Mm -hmm. when people aren't paying attention. I go, hey, look alive here. Wake up,
1: people. You say that? Yeah. Okay.
0: I try to say it in a way that no one would know who said it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Jeez. I go, look alive. <laughs> Wake you, up out I here. think you're an airport worker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so I have to wait behind them. And then one of the great things about TSA PreCheck is that you don't have to take off your belt. I know taking off your belt is a small thing, but I don't want to partially undress. That's why I'm doing... TSA pre-check so then I go through the metal detector and it goes off and she goes all right come back through and I and I go through and it it goes off again and she goes are you wearing a belt I was like yeah I always wear a belt in TSA pre-check she said, go take off your belt so I take off my belt put on the conveyor and then I walk right through right so I've done all this it's just so irritating it's like why is this the only airport in the country that's making me take off my belt in TSA pre-check So then after all this, I'm very frustrated. I mean, you know, again, it's all trivial. I I 100% see that. But it's just like when you travel twice a week like this, I'm in and out of airports. It's like those little trivia things, trivial things just build up and just make you irritated. I'm not angry. I don't want to fight anyone. I don't want to write a bad review, but I'm irritated. And so right as I get through the line, This guy comes up to me, and he goes, hey, are you Dusty Slay? And I go, yes, and I'm very irritated right now. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, seems very happy, and he goes, and I just start complaining about the airport. I complain to him about the belt at TSA PreCheck. And the guy goes, this is what the guy goes. He goes, yeah, that's the whole point of PreCheck. You shouldn't have to take your belt off. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I start to complain about uh, Clear. And then I complain about the priority line. And this guy's going, yeah, this is the worst airport in the country. And I was like, yeah, it is. And by the time I got done talking to this guy, I was so much happier. I said to that guy, he said, dude, you really cheered me up. <laughs> I was like, I appreciate that. And he did really cheer me up because he really validated what I was saying. Rather than acting like I was overreacting, he was like, yeah, this airport sucks. And it does suck. <laughs>
1: It give me a lesson on how to support you better as a wife. Yeah, I mean, make you feel seen, make you feel heard. Don't try to be like taking the airport side sometimes. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you will do to me. I'll go. <laughs> I'll go. I'll, I'll do all that complaining. And you'll go.
1: Well, the airport.
0: You know, they're just there to do their job. I mean, they're just <laughs> yeah. trying to do their job. I mean, try to chill out and let people work and do their job. And I'm like, no, just be like, yes, that airport sucks.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. all I want
0: you to do. Totally. And then, so I wanted to give that guy a shout out. I did on Nate Lamb, but I don't know if he listens to either of the podcasts. But this guy's name—I wrote his name down immediately. Wow. His name was Alex. He's from Salt Lake City, and uh, cheered me up at the uh, at the airport. Wow. And I'm also experiencing lots of flight delays lately. The last couple of weeks, serious flight delays. On my way to Houston, I was at—I know this is a lot of airport talk—but on my way to Houston, my my—I got—I was just sitting in the in the airport waiting to board and I get a message on my phone that my flight's been delayed and my flight was so delayed that it made me like my first delay was so delayed that it made me miss my connecting flight to Houston so I go and I talk to the lady at the desk and she goes oh the next flight out of Houston out of Dallas to Houston is at five so that means if I catch that flight I'm gonna have to go from the airport straight to the show so already that's how my day's shaping up and uh but it worked out just fine but it's just like this just keeps happening i get lot even on the way back there was a slight delay luckily i didn't miss anything but just when i came back from dc more delays and i don't there's no even explanation what the delays are about just lots of delays
1: well honey you know everyone's just trying to do their job <laughs>
0: yeah yeah but my thing is it's like you know with everything it's like if I realize that, you know, once in a while, they're going to have some mechanical things. Sometimes I'll be on a plane and they'll be like, oh, we got uh, we got something going on with the plane. We just got to get it checked out and, uh, and, and then we'll be on our way. And, and in my head, I'm like, let's just go. All right. That's what I'm saying. I go, let's just go. Like not thinking that this mechanical thing is how the whole f- plane operates.
1: It's shocking that there's not more domestic flight just plane crashes. Yes. I mean the sheer number of flights flying around right now. I mean I don't know the last time that there was a casualty in American domestic flight.
0: I don't know either. I mean
1: cuz you'd hear about it. Yes.
0: Yeah. what you got going on. Well, there. I made a tea here. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I made a tea and I put uh turmeric and ginger powder in the tea so then when I get to the end of the tea um, I have to it's a lot of powder in the bottom so I have to kind of Slosh it around in there to mix up the powder so that I can drink it down.
1: I looked over. You're just like slobbering. I'm also
0: very hot now. The tea was very hot <laughs> and I just, I feel very hot. Your, your <laughs> tongue is yellow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Your tongue is yellow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've been drinking
0: a lot of turmeric.
1: You got some regular water there?
0: Yeah. All yeah. Right. No turmeric in that. <laughs> I love turmeric. Hannah knows I love turmeric. Yeah.
1: Yeah, your, your two catchphrases are, we're having a good time and put a little turmeric in that.
0: <laughs> in a hotel, sometimes I really will mess up a hotel with turmeric. I, I, t- I like to always tip the maids at a hotel. Um, because, you know, I'll be in a hotel all weekend and I won't really let the maids in to clean. So when they get in there, they and I try to stay neat. Like I keep my trash, you know, picked up. I'll make sure all my trash is thrown away but I'll have stained the bathroom counter with turmeric or something like that. I spilled salsa on the bed in one of the places and it's just like all over the bed sheet. I was like, Oh gosh, I tried to clean it, but I just think I made it worse. looks like
1: you got your period. Yeah.
0: It's, well, I don't know if it was that like that, but it, it didn't look good. <laughs> I will say that. But, um, so when I stain up the, counter with turmeric i'll leave a little extra because i'm like they gotta put some work in here but um so so that was my that's been my travels um and then um Oh, I feel like I, I took a lot of notes while I was on the airplane on Sunday about what I wanted to talk about. I got so irritated on Sunday that everything <laughs> people were doing was irritating me. So I was like, I wrote this, everyone seems like an alcoholic now. <laughs> <laughs> and it is true, though. I'm sitting. I sit in first class a lot, right, and I don't drink, so I'm just watching people. And I'm just watching people at all times of the day They're just ordering alcoholic drinks. It's just like, you know, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're on vacation. For all I know, they never drink. Maybe they're nervous on planes. I don't know. But it just seems like everybody's like, they're like, "Uh, what can I get a drink? And I go, I'll have a water, no ice. And then the person next to me is like, oh, I have a champagne. I have a Bloody Mary mix with two mini bottles of vodka. Yeah, I'll have a bourbon and Coke. And I'm just like, it's (laughs) it's
1: 11 a.m. I mean, what's going on? Is it really that time you're hearing people ordering drinks like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean
0: all times of the day people are drinking. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. If you're in first class, people are getting get because it's free. First class, it's and maybe that's it. People drink and they're like, "Well, it's free, so I'm going to do it." And I got to admit, I mean that's that's who I am. If I were still drinking, I mean that's what I would be doing. That is what you did, but I but I also uh, was an alcoholic. People say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I disagree. I, I don't drink anymore, so I'm not an alcoholic. If I start drinking again, I will most certainly be an alcoholic again. But um, I don't agree with the terminology. Once an alcoholic, always an See, alcoholic. See, a lot
1: of people that like that I know of personally, so that's what I'll say from personal experience. like if they're in AA and they're not, they're sober, right. But they still call themselves an addict and it's like one of their biggest identity, like identifiers of themselves. Like I'm an addict. Well, you know, I'm lying piece of crap because you know, I'm an addict. So <laughs> right, right. I might just be lying to your face right now. I'm an addict. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I didn't show up to Sunday brunch. I'm an addict, dude. Like I just flake out. That's what we do. Saying, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: But- yeah, that's true. I mean, it is, it is an identity to be an addict and I don't think of myself that way. I, I do, even though I've made jokes in the past about the term addictive personality, um, I do think I have that to an extent, meaning that it's like I can go for, you know, I could go months without having a cigar and then I have one and I'm like, Ooh, that was good. I think I'll do that again tomorrow, you know? And I used to be like that about cigarettes. I took a long time off cigarettes And I remember I was drinking with my uncle up in the mountains one time and uh, he smoked and I smoked black and milds occasionally and I wanted to go run to the store and get a black and mild and I used to drink and drive all the time so I didn't think nothing about it. And he was like, dude, you can't go to the store. He's like, just have one of these cigarettes. So I was like, all right. So I smoked a cigarette with him and it was so good that I immediately bummed another one. I was like, let me go ahead and do that again. Mm-hmm. He said to me, he goes, it's nice to see somebody enjoy their cigarettes. He's like, I don't even know if I enjoy it anymore. I've been doing it so long. And then here's another thing that I, there was people hacking it up on planes and, and and just in public. Like I've never liked coughing. So it's not really COVID that, that made me like this. I hate when people cough in the audience when I'm on stage. Coughing has always bothered me. But I was on this plane on Sunday and this lady was just like, <coughs> like, like, like really hot. I can't even fake cough the way she was coughing. She was coughing so much, the flight attendant goes, Can I get you some water? And it's just like, I'm just always around people hawking loogies and coughing and hacking up i told you about when i when i flew to montreal for the first time there was a guy <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy like clearing his throat and this french canadian guy was like can you not do th-? he's a, in his accent like can you not do that and the guy uh, the guy was like i'm he's like i'm i'm clearing my throat he's like it's like a little bit disgusting <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is disgusting it is
0: disgusting <laughs> And, um, like
1: there's gotta be a way, like you burp, right? Yeah. But when you're out in public, you do well to really kind of cover your burps so yes. that they're not what I get to listen to all I mean, day.
0: I mean, my burps are disgusting and I hate that I do it. Right. Um, but I just don't understand why people are coughing so much. Like I have, you know, smoked, you know, various things for a while you know, different tobaccos and whatnot. And even I don't cough and hack like that.
1: Well, it's it's probably like an allergy thing for some people, although I really don't know, because I know what you mean, like hearing people hacking like that is, I mean, it's like, okay, well, they're either have a cold or getting over a cold.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did a gig out at a place called the Dab Lounge in Colorado Springs one time, and I pulled up out there. I'd never been to a place like that. I was doing comedy. And the guy, I I pulled up, and I was just kind of hanging out in the front, and there was this guy out there, and he goes, he's coughing a lot. He goes, my chest hurts. And he'd just been in there doing dabs all day. Yeah. And I guess he went back in and did more. He stayed for the whole show. But, yeah. Yeah,
1: come to think of it, people that I know that smoke weed a lot, depending on how they smoke weed, like, they got, like, almost like a permanent cough. Yeah.
0: And if you smoke menthols, people, I used to cough a lot with menthols. Actually, when I would smoke cigarettes, I smoked camels, and I would cough a lot with camels. Um But it's like I, um, I lately I like to carry lozenges and peppermints with me, and it's like you know if you get a dry you know I'm I'm rapidly turning into an old man. I got gray hairs in my beards, and I you know I'm a dad now, and I'm carrying around hard candies. But um, (laughs) but I uh, I like uh, I like to have that. You know, if I get thirsty, a dry dry throat. I mean, as much as I'm talking, it's nice to pop in throat coat makes a really great lozenge i don't like halls halls feels like every time i take a halls i get sick
1: oh you just said lozenge
0: you said lozengers yeah well then er yeah lozenges lozengers it's a, it's no r in it
1: i don't know that's how i say it
0: yeah i know but that's that's, that's what see, I'm, i see
1: yeah that's what i was confused about like i was like how have you never heard of the word lozengers and you're like i've never heard of that word but you just pronounce it differently
0: yeah, but, like, completely different. Not that different. Lozengers.
1: You say lozenge? Lozenge, yeah. Uh, okay.
0: No R in there. Whatever. It's like people, you know, Tennessee, the old school Tennessee people, will, when they say wash clothes, they'll say wash.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: So why are you putting that R in there?
1: That's, that's the British heritage. Is it? Yeah, for sure.
0: You know, that's interesting. They did talk about the southern accent is is... Really close is a really slowed down version of the British accent,
1: yeah. Like, because you told me your mom's mom called your mom Edna, yeah, right? Her name's Edna and called her Edna. And I had a British elementary school teacher and she called me Hannah, huh? Yeah,
0: well, that's interesting,
1: isn't it? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. um, oh, oh, here's another one. In, in first class, they will bring around a tray of snacks. That is also one of the perks. Not every time, but sometimes they'll bring it. It'll be a tray of, like, chips and, and granola bars and nuts and fig bars and stuff like that. And they'll just, you know, take it down the aisle, and you take one or two. And people act like they've never seen snacks. I mean, they're digging through the whole thing, like... Some people are taking three or four things. Mm. They're just digging through. They're like, "Whoa, snacks!" And I just, and I just hate it. I just.
1: Well, wait. What do you hate? The fact that they felt entitled to so many instead of just one, or what, the fact they took their sweet time. They picking took them?
0: their time. They just take their time. Just get a snack and move on. (laughs) Like I'm back there going, I'm ready for it. I know what I want. I can see it a mile away. This has always been a thing with me, especially when I'm ordering somewhere, right? If I'm at a, this was a a joke I tried to make, but I was in Publix one time and Publix has good subs. We never take advantage of that. We should sometimes because Publix makes really good subs. And I used to eat them a lot back in the day. And I was in line at a Publix and I was watching as people would, you know, go up to the counter. Each person would go up there and the lady would go, what kind of bread? What kind of meat? What kind of cheese? And she would just do it every time. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to not make that lady ask these questions. I'm going to be ready. So I got it all and I walked up there, you know, she'd go, what kind of bread? Uh, Half or a whole? What kind of meat? What kind of cheese? So I go, I go. I want a turkey sandwich, Swiss cheese on wheat bread, and I want the whole thing. She goes, "What kind of bread?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." But I, I really try to like be ready to go. Like I, like you know, I, I just I, I I don't know. I just get so frustrated with people that. They don't value the people's time behind them, and they don't value the people's time that they're dealing with at a place. I try to be very efficient. I pride myself on total efficiency. When I go to self-checkout, I'll be waiting behind people, and I'm like, just get a move on it. I get up there, I can zoom through a self-checkout. I hear so many people complain about how Walmart has gone to self-checkout, but I actually prefer it. Because Walmart has notoriously been a really had a bad checkout situation because there'll be one register open and you have to wait in line forever. But with self-checkout, I'm in and out. And I, I just don't understand what the complaint is, that you have to do it yourself. And I'm like, I don't want to do it myself either, but I prefer it to uh, standing in line all Because day. so
1: many people just get so much stuff at walmart too so you're just like it's oh, a I long guess that's true. line when you're behind people though oh yeah when you're like when it's not self-checkout but they have so many self-checkouts yeah that it's like but, there's never a line
0: but if self-checkout yeah if you got a lot of stuff i guess that's where people get frustrated
1: no, what I'm saying is I've never really waited in line at self checkout at Walmart, no matter right. what people are getting.
0: But I mean, if they have a lot of stuff, they have to check out a lot of stuff. Oh
1: yeah, that is annoying.
0: I never have that much stuff at Walmart. I'm like people always have that complaint about or that or it's the the running uh, world's hackiest joke, uh, where they go, "Yeah, went in went into Target and spent four hundred fifty dollars on a toothbrush," you know, yeah, something like that, where they go in, they're like. I went in for one thing. It's like, I've been making, my mom's been making that joke since 1985, you know? Yep. I mean, it's like, but people still do it. Um, but I'm pretty good about going in and getting what I need and getting out of there. Mm-hmm. I've also just spent a lot of time in retail stores. When I sold pesticides for a while, we had to, we also, uh, Rayovac and Remington, Rayovac batteries and Remington shaving products uh, was all in our umbrella company of United Industries. So in the off season, sometimes we'd have to go to Walmart and uh, you know stock batteries or build a display of batteries, which I always liked. I was very, uh, I was pretty heavy during that time. The last season I was there, and I remember going to Walmart, checking the Rayovac batteries, being like, "That looks good," and then buying a rotisserie chicken and a, a pack of Hawaiian rolls and just going and sitting in the car and eating rotisserie chicken and Hawaiian rolls. Well,
1: that looks good too. Yeah,
0: and then smoking cigarettes and uh just being like, this is what I'm talking about. <sighs> um I had to build a display at a Walmart one time and the guy was like, oh, "I can't. I'm not going to let I go listen. I've been instructed to come in here and build this display. I'm going to build it. All I got to have is a picture, okay? If you want me to build it, take the picture and then tear it down, I will. But I got to build it. He ended up just letting me build it, but I'm like, I got to build this display.
1: That's, that's real talk, Dusty. Yeah. That's a blue-collar workle just talking to the folks.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but Walmart is like the most locked-down place. Like Lowe's yeah. and Home Depot, when I worked there, I basically could go in and just walk all around Lowe's. I could go in the back and the receiving area. I could get up on the ladders and bring boxes down, and very rarely did I get questioned at all you can't even walk in the back of walmart i mean people they are not playing in there i mean that place is locked down
1: well i had a weird thing at walmart i don't think i ever told you this it was like a month ago i went and got a like some some stuff for the cabin like you know a bathroom mat it was kind of a bunch of really um cumbersome large items you know i probably picked up some groceries too and like maybe a ball for daisy so the cart was pretty full right So I'm checking out and this older woman is, is working there and she, and there's, it's not busy. So she starts talking to Daisy and she's being real sweet with Daisy and laughing with her and being all cute with her and having this real sweet interaction. Right. And she's standing beside me the whole time as I'm checking out all the things. And then I pay. And as I'm about to leave, she's like, can I see your receipt, please? and i said okay and so she she's like oh okay let's just make sure that everything is paid for i'm I'm like you're standing right beside me (laughs) yeah i knew i paid for everything like i knew i paid for everything so i was like I'm just annoyed, you know, you know me, I'm not friendly in public as it is. So this kind of interaction immediately, I'm like, lady, how are you going to be cuddling up to my kid for five minutes, standing right beside me, then call me out and accuse me of stealing.
0: Maybe it's like, maybe if you're not talking to my kid and doing your job, you wouldn't have to worry if I am stealing things. Right,
1: right. And so then she's like, well, what about this item? I'm like, it's in there. It's in there. Just check. Like, it's on that receipt. Just check. And then everything was fine. And she's like, okay, thank you very much. I'm like, get out of here. Don't
0: thank me now, lady. No. Don't thank me now.
1: And I mean, uh, maybe that Walmart gets a lot of theft, you know? And so it's like, she's just doing her job to... You know, she's not putting it past anyone to to do, to go ahead and steal. But I mean. The job should
0: never be to let me let you ring everything up and then ask to check the receipt. It's like, watch me do it.
1: Right. Yeah. Don't read my receipt. Yeah, that was annoying.
0: It is so annoying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like, if you're going to go through all that trouble, you should have just rang me up.
1: Well, the most annoying part was that she was just sitting there playing with Daisy the whole time. If she just kind of came around the corner as I was leaving and didn't, you know, I didn't even see her, then I'd be like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah, check my receipt. Yeah, that's but annoying. it was just so stupid. I don't like it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't like Walmart, to be honest with you. I, 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 I want to protest Walmart, but sometimes it's just like, it's just the store you got to go to. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't like the way Walmart treats people uh, that work there. I don't like the way they, uh, and I've watched some documentaries on Walmart, and I'm sure it's all slanted, but I don't like the way they treat people. Um, you know, now I do shows in Northwest Arkansas where they, um, you know, where they, uh, that's where Walmart headquarters is at. And the owner of the club, Bill, uh, I think is affiliated with Walmart in some way. So they have a lot of Walmart loyalty. So I don't like to really slam Walmart, but, um, I just don't, I mean, they're obviously a good company because look what, how, how well they've done. But I just don't think they're very nice to people. I don't think they treat people well. Right. And, but, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like mom and pop stars always, pop stores talk about Walmart putting them out of business. But then sometimes you go to small towns where they got mom and pop stores, and they're like, they're not nice to you in there. The customer service is not good, and they're not nice. And I'm like, well, this is why you're going out of business. Yeah. All right, so, um, Um. Okay, I think I clear. I think I covered all my notes. I did meet musician Marcus King at um, at the airport the other day, uh, and I've always been a fan of him, but I never really talked about him on the podcast, and I've not really did a deep dive on him uh, musically. But I, I like his music, and I met, I saw him at the airport, so I went up and talked to him, and he because I knew he was at somebody told me they saw him at Zaney's not long ago. And he was familiar with my comedy, which is really nice. And so we talked a little bit. And um, so if you've not checked out Marcus King, do check him out because he was a very nice guy. I mean, sometimes you you worry about meeting people because you think they're not going to be friendly. Or sometimes I've followed like country music singers that I like on Twitter and then been like, oh, dang, I wish I had not done that. You've really ruined my opinion of you by sharing your life uh your life and your really really bad poorly thought out thoughts (laughs) right you know it's like i got a thing people love to do this sort of thing i got a tweet today where let's see if i can find it here um hopefully it hasn't gone gotten out of control um uh this says um this guy like Uh, this guy says, your new hour is fire, is what he said. And I said, thank you. And then another guy goes, where can I find it? And I said, only live for now. And then another guy goes, this is uh, completely unaffiliated with the other guys. He goes, dude, you shouldn't be this deep into your tweets. Get busy writing. You just need to be prolific, get exposure, and you'll be there. It's not going to be easy. So stop comparing yourself to older comics and enjoy the pre internationally famous phase of life. Post your special on YouTube. And it's just like, what? <laughs> uh, like, I'm, I'm, so I said, so I quote tweeted him, I said, stop enjoying your life. Do what
1: I want you to do. And, um, I mean, these guys need to realize that you're going to be replying to comments. That's what you do. No one understands it, including me, but you're going to be replying to comments.
0: But he says, he he then responds to that. He says, in your parent tweet, whatever that means, I guess the first tweet. Yeah. But I didn't say this. He goes, in in the parent tweet, you mentioned not believing you had reached a certain level. The tweet was in response with misguided. uh, treat was a response with misguided, though well-intentioned encouragement. But you're right. Some things are outside of our control. Better to enjoy life than to try to control the uncontrollable. It's like, okay, he goes, crazy how a regular person can type something on a phone that enters the mind of someone famous, meaning me here. Uh, <laughs> that has to be equally nuts on the receiving end tweets of encouragement that read like unsolicited life advice i'm guessing other tweets with negative intentions are mixed in that
1: that guy sounds like he's on some good Cali weed
0: yeah yeah um i like this this last guy quote he goes i love dusty but your definition of famous may need some realization <laughs>
1: yeah
0: most people that are famous are just people but it's like uh, it's like yeah I'm definitely not famous um People know me fairly well. You're a public figure. Yeah, people that uh, like comedy know me fairly well, and uh, I appreciate it. I get recognized a lot out out on the streets and in the world, and it's nice and it's fun, but definitely
1: not famous. I don't even consider really any comedian famous. Like maybe Joe Rogan. But I just feel like influencers or people who have these check marks, like – I don't know. Maybe it's because I hang out with these people. So I don't, I'm not starstruck. I've been in the entertainment industry for a long time, but. I just, I don't consider comedians no matter how big they are, no matter what tours they're doing, whatever they're selling out. Like, I don't think you're a famous person. Like fame has just changed since the internet. I think that's yes. the thing.
0: I mean, absolutely. And it's like, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're all on the internet, right? Yeah. There, there's certain people that are not, and and you don't have the ability to tweet at them. But, you know, I'm on there. I don't have a lot of followers on Twitter. I'm doing okay. But, um, yeah, I am going to be commenting. I mean, there may be one one day when I show it down and I stopped doing it, but I'm not at that place yet.
1: You're such a regular person that you still get fired up from the comment section. You still can't, you can't oppress that.
0: But, but I'm not even uh, in this, in this instance though, I'm not even fired up. I'm like, this guy is just like, one guy says you have a really great hour. I say, thank you. Another guy goes, where can I find it? And I say, well, live, that's where you can find it. You come see the show. And somehow this other guy has taken that to mean, that oh this poor guy he's only got his new fire hour out at his live shows that he's doing all the time he doesn't have it on the internet he's like get busy man get it together you can make it happen and I'm like dude I'm fine I'm having a great time out here you know what I mean
1: yeah, I mean, the internet's it's it's a lot of lost children.
0: I just hate when people try to give me inspiring life advice in a condescending way on the internet. It's yeah. like I hate it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's all good. I did I have been meeting people more and more um,
1: I mean, when we go out, I mean, pretty much every time we go out, somebody knows you. But then again, like a lot of your friends have the same experience. So, yeah. I guess we're just Hollywood in Nashville. In Hermitage.
0: I mean, the, the girl <laughs> the girl at the Levi's store said she'd been to one of my shows before. Yeah. And yeah. um and um but I've gotten some nice comments from people about um um I want to do I, I I was reading this book, but I stopped reading it. But I was reading this book by um What's the jazz book? You read it and I read it. I've been, I've read about halfway through it. Oh, um, uh, I don't know. To a young jazz musician. that's what it's called by um, Wynton Marcellus. And I really like it. And, um, and I, I, I took down some notes uh, on, on his, um, you know, on, on, on his advice as a jazz musician. And I, and I've read, a, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, but on how it, I believe it relates to being a comedian. And I just think it's so great. It's so inspiring from an artist standpoint. I, uh, because I, I feel like stand-up comedy and jazz music are two of the, you know, real American art forms.
1: Yeah, uh, totally.
0: And I just think there's so much correlation. They probably both kind of stemmed from seedy nightclubs and... I just think there's such a connection in there, and if people get really in, that's why sometimes comedy clubs are hard for a, a, a really artistic comedian, and I like to consider myself that. Now, I've learned to work the road uh, because I've been doing it for so long, but when I started comedy, um, you know, I was doing uh, improv theaters and doing um you know, I did a a poetry open mic a few times and, you know, so I was doing these kind of hipster rooms where you really get to be an artist and then you start working the clubs and now in the clubs you have more distractions and people talking and this going on and this going on to where you're not really, that is the appeal to moving to a theater is that hopefully you get that art back to where you're not in the clubs anymore. And I fight moving out of the clubs into the theaters. I was talking to my agent about it, and I was just saying how much I love clubs. And she's like, well, usually everybody's ready to get out of the clubs and into theaters. She's like, it's weird that you are wanting to stay in clubs. And I just think, I'll, I'll say something like that, and then the moment it comes out of my mouth, I'm almost like, oh, yeah, I am ready to do theaters. You know, Um only ready from the artist standpoint because I just feel like now I've I've worked this style that I'm trying to like bang 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 punch lines uh, that I don't think necessarily translate in the theater. You have to go a little slower in a theater. So, um, but maybe that would be good. I mean, I may have three hours of material if I slowed down some. But um,
1: you better be careful if you go any slower.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just think there there is something. Uh, lost a lot of times artistically uh, in a comedy club as opposed to a theater but also I think when the audience gets too large sometimes stuff can be lost and I um, but I just you know I, I like that the artistry of of comedy and what he seems to talk about as being a jazz musician. Like, that's why I like the Steve Martin Let's Get Small album so much, because it's a real artistic album. That's Mm -hmm. before Steve Martin was so huge, I think. Um, And then, um, you know, I never talk about Bill Hicks much. I always talk about people that I like, but I watched a great uh, Mitch Hedberg clip on TikTok the other day, and I was just like, this is such great comedy. It's like, this is the kind of comedy that we're really missing now. Yeah, And then Bill Hicks, I always liked him. I mean, I never found him so laugh out loud funny, but I always liked him. Somebody said on on Twitter that I'm like a Bill Hicks if he was happy and enjoyed his life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like Bill Hicks is sort of like a Bill Burr to me where I I sit down and I, I listen and I watch a Bill Burr special and I'm kind of astounded by the depth and the artistry and the uh, thought provoking nature of what he's saying. And it, it is funny, but then again, I laugh way, way more at Sebastian, like way, yeah. way more, but yeah. I deeply enjoy Bilbur Burr yeah. in a different way. And I, and they're kind of very comparable to me. Yeah. I don't know if that's anything to do with what you said, but.
0: Well, um, I think I might read an email here.
1: Yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can I, do you think I, I won't include their name, but could I read the email that you read today? You think that'd be okay? Yeah. Um, uh, so this is an email I got today and um, it says, my husband and I found you a few months ago on YouTube. You made uh, me laugh so much. And I started listening to your podcast while cooking and cleaning brightens my whole day. About a week ago, I was listening to an older episode, and you said something. I honestly don't even remember what, and it made me wonder if your faith practice is similar to ours. We are a family of six. I'm a homeschooling mom to our kids. Um, About two years ago, almost by mistake on our part, we started to recognize that our Christian practice and what we believe to be right wasn't actually rooted in the Bible at all. We wanted to actually live like Jesus and worship the way the Bible has instructed us. It's important to note we fail pretty miserably at it, but gosh, we are really trying. We decided that we had to live set apart and with that, do away with worldly holidays. We Christmased hard over here. The Elf on the Shelf, Reindeer Footprints, um... Uh, Okay, Uh, the Elf on the Shelf, Reindeer Footprints, the morning of Christmas, we went all the way with our kids. I was physically sick at the idea of telling them we wouldn't be participating in these events anymore. Much to my surprise, they were cool with it, happy even. The spirit of truth and honesty abounds over here, and it's forever changed our relationship with our children and our faith. That said, this time of year, it is just weird. The kids don't care, but I'm overly aware of how different we are and our extended families have made it pretty clear that we might be crazy um and relatable yeah I just want to read that and 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 uh let you know that you know I feel that same way too I mean I um I stopped you know I, I am even reluctant to talk about it on the podcast even though I I do talk about a lot of things because you know I'm not trying to tell people how to live their lives I'm just trying to share things with people and what I believe the Bible says and I just I believe that the Bible gives us holidays to celebrate, and people say, you know, well, those are not for us. Those are for Jewish people. But, you know, the Bible says it's for God's people, you know, and that we're all uh, one uh, in the blood of Jesus. And it's like, I just think that um, we should celebrate those holidays, even though I don't necessarily know how to celebrate all of them. Um, And a lot of the, you know, the Christmas uh, stuff, I mean, people even admit it, big prominent Christians will admit that it stems from pagan roots. I mean, from, you know, and, and it's like, I just don't believe that, uh, I think any anybody um, that's uh, that studied the birth of Jesus would say that he's probably born in like September or October. And so it's like, we're celebrating uh, the birth of Jesus on a different day. It's like, imagine... Um, my birthday being in may but then my mom and dad are like celebrating it in july and they're like uh also doing it in a way that that i've not asked them to do it and they're like well we're doing it for you and i'm like well i didn't ask you to do this
1: there's this other dude called santa in the mix
0: yeah i'm like i didn't ask you to do this and this is not on my birthday and they're like no we know it's not but we're doing it for you we've changed it and it's just like, I just don't think that we have the ability to change the times, the seasons, the holidays. In fact, we're, you know, we're called not to do that. So I'm not telling people not to do it. I, I at once, when I first heard about this and first, this first came to my attention and I stopped celebrating, I was hanging out with a buddy and we had, a, and we had two girls over, nothing was going on, but we had them over at my house and we were all talking about biblical stuff. And I started to share my thoughts on Christmas. And one of those girls started to cry because she said, I love Christmas so much. And so in that moment, I kind of vowed to not really share it with people. Uh, But that was like, I don't know, 10 years ago. Um, So I'm kind of at a place now where I'd like to share it.
1: You want to make some more women cry?
0: No, but. I just think that so many people will continue to do it because, like in this email, because it's so awkward and they're so afraid of what their family's going to say. They're so afraid of this. And I I think a lot of what people love about Christmas is spending time with their family. Um, And you can still do that. You can spend – and I know that a lot of people like – you know, you could say, well, uh, because I like to think that Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles is probably around Jesus's birth, and that would be a good holiday to celebrate in a festival. But I know that your work is not giving you time off for Sukkot. Your job has not given you a week off for the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's the time everybody has off. So by all means, spend it with your family. But I I always just encourage people to think about it, to read about it, to, to see what what they're saying and, and and it's not about our religions it's about our you know our walk with Jesus and um and so I appreciate that email and I've gotten some emails lately from Jehovah's Witnesses and from Seventh Day Adventist and I do appreciate those emails um and I do I do know that I share some you know beliefs with those you know organizations but I don't belong to an organization. I don't believe, I don't belong to a denomination. I just believe in my own walk with Jesus. I also don't belong to a non-denominational church. I've been part of those as well. And I've I've done all these things. I've done all the, I mean, I used to do campus life when I was in high school, you know, until I kind of got kicked out for, you know, doing drugs and drinking. And, and I probably should have been kicked out. They didn't say never come back here, but, you know, they... You know, and I probably should have been. I shouldn't have been doing those things because I was. You know, a big thing for me in high school is I love to uh, get high, get people high for the first time. I love to do that. That was a real, real fun thing. I wouldn't pressure people to do it, but it was a real joy to me if people wanted to. You know, do that with me, and it was a lot of fun to be like, oh, I mean, there's a girl that lives in Nashville now that that I see often. And she, I got her high for the first time. And uh, she's reminded me of that the other day. And and now as the adult that I am now, I'm ashamed of it. I hate it. I'm like, I wish I'd never done that. But at the time, I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, I thought I was, you know, uh, sharing this great gift with people, this eye-opening experience, you know. But I don't think I've done anything bad, but I, I, I don't feel that same sort of pride about it. But I also you know, met a musician at the airport the other day that, um, I don't know if he's actually a musician, he works with musicians, I assume he is, um, that um, said he appreciates the Bible talk. He says he works with a lot of non-Christian people, and he can get a little lonely out there on the road, and he said it's nice to pop in a podcast and uh, listen to someone that shares uh, the faith the way he does, and, you know, um, and that's all I'm trying to do, and just, you know, talk about this and read some Bible verses. I've been reading through, you know, and, and, and somebody said to me in an email that hearing me talk about it makes being, makes Christianity seem cool. And, you know, I think that's the wild thing about it is somewhere along the way, we've allowed Christianity to not be cool. We, have allowed uh, uh, people to make us believe that being Christian is lame and that you don't have fun if you're Christian. And if you, and if you don't eat bacon or pork or, uh, that you're somehow not cool and, and it's just not true. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't even, I'm not even trying to be cool and I don't even care if I'm cool, but, um, you know, I was reading through, um, I've been reading through Isaiah. It's taken me lo- far too long to get through Isaiah. But I was reading it, and, and you know, it's like this – and this is before Christianity, obviously. But the, this king was uh, – this other king came up against a guy, Hezekiah. And the other guy was – he was the king of Assyria, and he was going to uh, take down Hezekiah. And he blasphemed God the king of Assyria said, who is your God? I've taken down this kingdom and their God. I've taken down this kingdom and their God. Who is your God to stop me? And God told Hezekiah, Hezekiah humbled himself. And God told Hezekiah, he said, don't worry about the king of Assyria. He said, I'll take care of him. He said, I'll wipe out his army and I'll make sure he dies in his own land. And because he's blasphemed to me. And so it says the sword of God killed his army, When the king of Assyria woke up in the morning, he found only dead bodies. He traveled back to his land. And while he was in his home praying to his pagan God, his son killed him. And it's like, I mean, I mean, it's like God is unbelievable. Like God is like, do not mess with me. And the fact that we think that God is different now, we will often say, oh, you don't want to mess around with that Old Testament God, New Testament God. He's a lot nicer. God didn't change. God is not messing around. We now have Jesus to help us to, to you know, he's a...
1: Well, Jesus is so we can repent, so we don't immediately get killed by our our kin.
0: Right. I mean, God is, uh, Jesus is our connection to God. The Holy Spirit connects us to God. And yes, we can repent at any time and we can talk to God at any time, but God is not messing around. And that's what I'm always saying to people. It's like, I'm not, it's not about getting to heaven. I mean, it is about getting to heaven, but when I don't eat bacon, I'm not eating, not eating bacon because I'm like, well, I know if I eat that bacon, I won't get to heaven. I'm not eating the bacon because I read two times in the Bible where God said, don't eat pork. And I did a. I've talked about this before, but the uh, Peter on the rooftop thing. That's I had someone ask me about that in an email, and that's one of my favorite things. That's one of my favorite breakdowns because people use that to prove that God had made meat clean, but to me it proves that um, you know that 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 experience was about Gentiles being able to come into the fold and and receive the Holy Spirit saying that the Gentile people if they uh, you know are followers of Jesus then they are able to receive the Holy Spirit and no longer a clean unclean people but it also shows that Jesus never made meat clean or else Peter would have known about it and I just think that's a lot of fun and I also heard someone talking about, Um, on a podcast I was listening to, talking about how they didn't like Paul because they say Paul contradicts Jesus. And I can understand how people will say that because oftentimes when people, you know, will send me emails, they always use stuff from Paul. But I don't think that Paul contradicts Jesus. I just think Paul was dealing with a very difficult situation. He was bringing Jewish people into Christianity, Jewish people who had been keeping Torah their entire lives and also now keeping uh, rabbinic uh, teachings, like where rabbis had kind of taken it uh, on their own to interpret the Torah and add laws. So they were making things harder. So he was dealing with them, bringing them into Christianity, saying, you don't, have to de- you don't have to follow all these laws, meaning the laws that have been man-made since the Torah. And then he's also dealing with Romans and Gentiles and uh, people that have never observed Torah that have been doing nothing but paganism, and he's dealing with them. So he's bringing them into the same religion. So one side, he's saying, you don't have to do all of this anymore. And the other side, he's saying, you need to be doing some more. So there's a part in there where he'll say, you would be wise to refrain from this, this, and this. And people will use that to say, this is all Paul said we need to follow and I don't think that's it. I think Paul was like, "Listen, you're 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 going to need to get into the Torah. You're going to need to understand the teachings. But for now, you'll do well to just stay away from these things. Don't just stay away from that and you'll begin to learn. And I think that's what it's like when when you become a Christian, right? You get baptized and you get saved. You you you're like it's like Let's not pile everything all on you at once. Don't say, oh you become a Christian now you got to do this, 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 this. when you become a Christian you're saved but it's a journey. so you you learn and you mature and you become a, a better and wiser Christian as you go along. that doesn't mean that you're going to receive any more salvation. you're saved already, but you're going be uh, uh, you're going to become more holy like God wants you to be holy. That's, and in fact, my understanding is the only time God says that we are to be holy, he says, be holy for I am holy, is after he gives us the dietary laws. I just think it means that much to him. And I think that, so it's like, it's not about salvation. You, you receive that as a free gift that you don't have to work or earn. Uh, but once you get it, then you're off on this journey. And it should be. A beautiful journey of not, oh, I have to do this, but it should be, what can I do for God that has given me free salvation, that has saved me? And I was just talking with a comic um, uh, who was going through some stuff, very sad, and he said he's not Christian, he's agnostic or whatever, and I just thought, I just said to him, I go, you know, that's the beautiful thing for me about being a Christian is that you know? I've been through similar things that you're going through right now, and for me, when God takes things from me, I can I get to go. Hey, this is God's plan for my life. This is not. Um, this is not just darkness and sadness. This is God's plan for me. I need to walk through this, whatever this is. But for someone who's not Christian, agnostic, or whatever, you, you you're like this sucks. My life is over. I've lost everything that I've worked for and I don't see progress happening in my life. And he said to me, he goes, you know, I'm a little afraid of what you're saying because uh, maybe God would take comedy from me. Maybe God is is saying to me, I shouldn't be doing comedy and I love comedy so much. And I think that that is, I really appreciated that he said that because I can relate to that too. I mean, I've prayed oftentimes. One time, you know, I met Hannah in New York City, and I wanted to move to New York City to be with Hannah and to do comedy. And, and I talked to my brother-in-law. and My brother-in-law told me the way he likes to pray, and now that's the way I like to do it, where I'll pray to God. and I'll, I said, And this is what I did. I said to God, I said, God, I'm moving to New York. That's what I want to do. I want to pursue comedy, and I want to move to New York. And I said, but... Most importantly, what I want is your will for me in my life. So if I'm not supposed to move to New York, show me that I'm not supposed to move to New York. And like the very next day, I talked to a guy about my plan and he said, you know, you can do that if you want. But he said, here's a different idea. And he laid that idea out for me. And I was like, oh, that's that's the plan I want to follow. That's the thing I want to do, but I still wanted to be with Hannah, uh, but uh, that essentially seemed like it cost me that, um, but in the end, it didn't. I mean, God, I mean, I feel like it, God had a plan for me, and he's like, I don't want you moving to New York. This is not good. This is not the way to do it. I got a plan for you. If you'll hear me out and if you'll follow what I'm saying, it's going to work out for you. And I feel like um, that life has been working out for me since that time. So um, I just want to share that stuff. I hope that's encouraging. I hope uh, you appreciate it. Oh, and I I know this has gone a little longer than it normally does, but um, I plan on putting this out on Wednesday, and that would make tomorrow Thanksgiving. And I know there's a lot of talk about me not celebrating holidays, but I do not think of Thanksgiving as a, religious holiday at all. I don't think about it as a pagan holiday. I don't think about it as a Christian holiday. But the way I always think of this, and I know people have lots of ideas about it and this and that, and I realize that the uh, people who colonized America ended up doing uh, terrible things to the native people. But in the beginning— I believe the Puritans that came to it. Now, this is belief, this is just my belief, but it's a belief that I've developed over history that I've read. And, you know, I'll be the first to tell you who knows if the history we read is real or not. But my belief is that the very first people that came to America, the Puritans, were, were, had come over here in search of religious freedom. They wanted to worship God their way. They wanted to follow their version of Christianity. And so they came to America to, to establish this, and they came here rather unprepared. So that very first year, their crops did not come in the way they wanted them to. Uh, They had not established homes the way they wanted to establish them. And the Native American people saved their life that first winter. And because of that, they were able to go on and survive. And so they began to celebrate this time of year every year to give thanks back to those people that saved them. I do not think the abuse of the Native Americans came until way later. And obviously there was uh, horrific stuff, but uh, I don't think it was from those first people, those first generations of people. And I just think this is a good, wonderful time to be thankful um, uh, for what you have and to thank, be thankful for your family and just be thankful that you even have food to eat. I mean, there are people around this world that do not have food, that do not have shelter, that do not have comfort, that don't have family, don't have loved ones. And if you have those things, be thankful for them. This is a great Any Anytime is a good time to be thankful, but I've always really enjoyed and appreciated Thanksgiving. And I think it's a really great holiday and I will be spending time with some family and I'm very thankful for it. And I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. We're having a good time. (music) Oh, 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 oh
1: oh, 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 oh